Did Mitt Romney's religion speech ease concerns some Christians have about electing a Mormon to the presidency? Did he talk specifics or just talk in generalities? We'll break it down for you. And the movie The Golden Compass opens Friday night. We'll continue to shed light on this movie that's aimed at killing God in the minds and hearts of children. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Some wonder whether there are any questions regarding an aspiring candidate's religion that are appropriate. I believe there are, and I'll answer them today. Did he answer those questions today? That is, Mitt Romney, he's running for president of the United States. He's a Mormon, and he went to Texas A&M today to give a major speech on the role of his Mormon faith and his candidacy for the presidency. And he claimed to answer questions that people are asking about a Mormon in the White House. Did we get those answers? Or was this just some kind of an Aggie joke? We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, and we're going to ask you to call in and to react. The number is 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. I'm going to go through this speech Phrase by phrase, there are some positives, but I'll let you know right now there are indeed some serious negatives in this speech. We're going to look at it in just a minute. Also, later in the program, the Golden Compass. This looks like a friendly, fun children's movie, but it has an atheistic agenda, and we're going to talk about it with an expert from Hollywood. You don't want to miss that later in the program, and of course, we'll continue the Grinch Awards tonight. Who will be the next winner? You don't want to miss that. Now, we've got to report here for just a couple of minutes the great news coming out of Iraq. That's right. Good news coming out of Iraq. Our general over there, General Petraeus, is reporting that deaths right now are at a two-year low. The violence is going away, and um, you'll remember the Shiite leader, al-Sadr, he's getting his folks to stand down. Here's General Petraeus on that. We applaud Muqtad al-Sadr's actions, even as all of us in Iraq, including those in his movement, recognize that some elements connected with the militia continue to carry out criminal actions and thus must be dealt with by Iraqi and coalition forces. 
Okay, who would have ever thought that our general would be applauding al-Sadr? Well, I'm surprised myself, but in fact, al-Sadr right now has his troops standing down. That's a good thing. Here's General Petraeus saying there's some improvement even in Iran's influence on the insurgency. We have seen uh, a reduction in some of the signature attacks, if you will, that are associated with weapons provided by Iran. All right, the reason we need to report on this is you're not hearing this in the mainstream media. At least you're not hearing it enough. And that is the situation has totally changed in Iraq. And we need to thank God because we've been praying for that kind of a turnaround. Unfortunately, there are some liberals, particularly some the left wing of the Democrat Party, who uh, cannot rejoice in this news, and just this time they're wanting to defund the troops. Here's the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and she's claiming that the Pentagon won't run out of money uh, and that this won't be a problem for the troops. DOD had assured us that they had enough money until March. The legislation uh, that we passed gives the DOD everything they want from now until then uh, for our troops, and uh, that's where we stand. Okay, well, I think that's political posturing because we played tape from Robert Gates, the defense secretary, uh, some time ago on this program, which she certainly heard. It was uh, in testimony before Congress when he said, we will run out of money if y'all don't pass a defense budget when we'll have to start sacrificing in December. And so uh, I believe uh, Republicans and Democrats need to unite now because we're winning the conflict in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's time to support these troops and finish the job and uh, get it done. Well, back to Texas A&M, though. Big news today. Mitt Romney running for president of the United States. He's a Mormon. Yesterday we covered uh, features of Mormonism and some of the concerns that people have in seeing a Mormon run for president of the United States. Well, Mitt Romney today making the speech he did not want to make. In fact, this speech divided his campaign staff. There were those who said you should not make this speech. There were others who said you have to make this speech. And he has uh, dropped in the polls recently, and I think it's uh, part of the reason for the speech. And uh, what we're going to do is look at some positives and some negatives. And so here we go. I want you to call in and react. The number is 800-881-9270. And here's Mitt Romney on his Mormonism. I believe in my Mormon faith, and I endeavor to live by it. My faith is the faith of my fathers. I will be true to them and to my beliefs. Okay, let me just say on a positive note, I'm not a Mormon, and I think Mormonism is a heresy. It's not Christianity, but the man ought to be honest, and he says, look, I believe in my Mormon faith. I'm going to live by it. It's the faith of my fathers. I'm going to be true to them and to my beliefs. I think everyone would expect no less of a Jew, of a Christian, of a Muslim, of a Hindu, whatever you might be, that you would actually continue to be that if you are elected to public office. No problem with that whatsoever. It doesn't mean we should vote for him. But uh, it does mean that he's going to be what he is. All right, here he is again, I think along the same line, that uh, he doesn't think Americans expect him to compromise or to, uh, you know, water down what he believes just because he's running for president. Americans tire of those who would jettison their beliefs even to gain the world. Okay, he says, I'm not going to jettison my belief 
just to become president. I'm not going to sell out my religion in order to get to the White House. Now, I have a question here, because when we listen to some of this other sound in a few minutes, I think, in fact, Mitt Romney is compromising some of his Mormonism, and uh, that might be better for the country, but it, it, it indeed means that he is not uh, true blue on some of um, the tenets of Mormonism. We've already got callers on the line. I want you to react so far to what you've heard and what you've read today. Perhaps you've uh, read the speech on the Internet. We've got Frank on the line from Little Elm. Frank, thank you for holding and calling. What's your take on this speech today? Well, thank you, Dr. Johnson, for taking my call. I read the text of the speech, being the uh, detailed analyst that I am. And <laughs> good I, for I you. That, I believe the devil's in the details, and yes. quite frankly... You hit on a very good point a few, uh, just a few minutes ago, the faith of my fathers. I believe in the faith of my fathers. And if you look carefully at his speech, he, he, he had a lot of references to historical presidents like John Adams, and he made references to, I believe, Roger Williams. And then he had the gall to make reference to Brigham Young. Yes. And, I mean, if you know the history of, of this organization, I mean, quite frankly, he says that his Mormon faith won't influence his presidency, and I don't believe that for a minute. I mean, it's like someone coming to my house and telling me that they're my long-lost uncle and they're part of my family, and yet it's only of recent, when he was running for president, that he's changed his position on a lot of social issues, and I just, I don't believe him, Dr. Johnson. I just don't believe him. I believe Mike Huckabee. I don't agree with Mike Huckabee on his immigration issue, but I believe that when he says he believes in Jesus and that Jesus is his Savior. In his speech today, he said, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, and he's the Savior of the world. He did not say that Jesus is my Savior. Mm. And I think that is a very important point, because he cannot say it as a true blue Mormon. He just can't. And I mean, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I mean, he's a nice guy. I, he's got good family, family values, but he do, he's not in the same family as me. We're not part of the same family, no matter what words he uses. And, hey, and that's what I wanted to point out. Thanks, Frank. I think those are good insights. We're going to play some of that troubling sound here in just a minute. But I actually want to go to another positive statement. I think, in principle, this is a positive statement. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say this about the next clip. In my view, if Mr. Romney wants to be president of the United States... This next clip should have been the speech. It should have been the outline for the speech. It should have been what he developed. And listen very carefully to this next statement from Mitt Romney. It's important to recognize that while differences in theology exist between the churches in America, we share a common creed of moral convictions. And where the affairs of our nation are concerned, it's usually a sound rule to focus on the latter, on the great moral principles that urge us all on a common course. Okay. There, I'm, I'm now talking about the positives from this speech. We'll get to negatives in a minute. But I believe this is the only argument that Romney could make today, and it's a shame that it's just one uh, very small segment of the speech, but he should have really bared down on this point. We do have theological differences. In fact, I'm just going to make a, uh, an illustration right now with uh, Joseph Lieberman, uh, who's Jewish. Now, Joseph Lieberman disagrees with all Christians about the deity of Jesus Christ. What could be a more important point of doctrinal disagreement than the deity of Jesus Christ? However, uh, I rejoice in the fact that Joseph Lieberman was elected instead of the far-left Democrat candidate, 
He ran as an independent Democrat, and Joseph Lieberman uh, was strong on the war against the Islamo-terrorist. And so uh, there are other moral values that we might have in common with Catholics, uh, with Mormons. That is moral, moral convictions. And so Romney says he's pro-life. Romney says he's pro-marriage. And this is the common ground. And for him to acknowledge we have theological differences, but in terms of governing, really what is important are the moral convictions that we share in common. This is where he might have, I think might have, really convinced a lot of evangelical Christians to hold the nose and vote for him if for other reasons they support him. But he did not bear down on this. In fact, this was not an applause line in the speech. The applause lines, I think, were later, and on some of the points that I would actually count as negatives. We want to know what you think. The number is 800-881-9270. Does this speech, what you've already heard, um, cause you to be more or less likely to vote for Romney? That's what I want to know. 800-881-9270. Let's go to Bob on the line from Terrell. Bob, thank you for calling. What's your view, Bob? Dr. Johnson. Uh, well, there's going to be a new Aggie joke in uh, A&M. It's going to be Mitt Romney. <laughs> and uh, I still don't like his uh, saying that he believes in Jesus Christ, because right after I heard that in his speech, I called his campaign headquarters, and I asked him exactly what position does he believe in Jesus Christ. And they they want to immediately put me to the, uh, say, well, you need to call the Latter-day Saints headquarters. <laughs> you call... You call uh, a Huckabee, you say, uh, I say, what does a Huckabee believe in Jesus Christ? And you get, well, he's the uh, son of son of God, and uh, he uh, he <laughs> died for your sins. You believe in him, you go to heaven, and boom. But you call uh, Romney, you get, well, you need to call uh, Jesus Christ the Latter Day Saints and uh, get what they believe. And I said, well, no, you work for him. Tell me what he believes, and he needs to give speeches in front of people that don't know him and support him. All right, that's Bob from Terrell. We want you to call in. The number is 800-881-9270. The lines will be open in the next segment. Now, what you've heard already are the positive sound bites. I've got, I think, here six negatives coming up in segment two, maybe seven. And uh, we've got other callers on the line. Well, here's the question. Does what Mitt Romney... Does what he say, what he's saying today, does this make you more or less likely to vote for him as an evangelical Christian? We want your comments. 800-881-9270. We will play some of the sound when we come back. I think carefully analyzed, you will not believe, actually, some of the things he had to say. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian 
frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. A person should not be elected because of his faith, nor should he be rejected because of his faith. All right, that's the Mormon, Mitt Romney, running for president of the United States. Do you agree with that statement? A person should not be elected because of his faith, nor should he be rejected because of his faith. I've got callers on the line right now. Let's go straight to them. Tommy and DeSoto, what do you think of that? Hi, Jerry. Thank you for taking my call. I enjoy your program. and uh, Thank you. I am a minister. I didn't get to speech. Uh, I was out today, but uh, I've heard bits and pieces on it uh, through the media and uh, through your great program, and I'm just... I feel uncomfortable with uh, Mitt Romney running. Uh, what bothers you the most about it? Uh, being a Mormon, mm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a licensed minister, and mm-hmm. I've discussed this with prisoners in my church. And um, well, Tommy, I think that uh, impulse uh, of caution is um, shared out there by many, many evangelical Christians. Yes. And you're just answer because he is a Mormon. And I think when he says um, a person should not be elected because of his faith nor rejected because of his faith, I don't know that people... It sounds good. But, yes, it but, does. but wait a minute. We wouldn't want people in the Jim Jones cult as president. Or, uh, we wouldn't want Muslims who believe in Sharia law. Do you want someone who believes is a matter of religion that Sharia law should be enforced on all of us. You wouldn't want that person in the White House. So there are some religious limits. Would you agree to that? Yes, I would. Uh, Yes, I would. And I definitely, uh, I've heard all the candidates. I know what background they have. Uh, My brother's up in Arkansas, and I'm... What does he think of Huckabee up there? He, He said... He's great. He's Huckabee's. Well, his opinion that uh, Huckabee's going to get it, and he thinks uh, Fred Thompson uh, could be possibility of vice president. I'm not sure where Thompson's background is. I'm not. You know, I watch him on TV on the movies, but I'm not sure what his. Uh, I don't think he's really made a statement on his faith. He really hasn't. We're going to keep following up on that. Tommy, we're going to move on to other callers, but thank you for your insights. Let's hear now again Mitt Romney, and he's again saying that, uh, boy, the Mormon uh, group is not going to influence him. Let me assure you that no authorities of my church, or of any other church for that matter, will ever exert influence on presidential decisions. They will never exert influence. 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 Now, is this overstatement, actually? Because we're familiar 
with uh, the Pope visiting the White House or Billy Graham visiting the White House or other spiritual advisors. Bill Clinton had Bill Hybels and Rick Warren. I mean, we actually, I think, want presidents to be influenced. What we don't want is control, control. And that makes you wonder if Romney really is looking for applause lines and this is style over substance. We want influence. We do not want control. Renee is on the line from Plano. Renee, what do you think of this? I think that there are a lot of religious posers in this election on the Democratic and Republican side. Uh, we have Giuliani. He's a big poser. Yes. Romney at least had the integrity to say, yes, I'm a Mormon. Yes, and yes. I'm not going to back down from that. We've got Hillary, you know, who has suddenly found her faith, and she's not channeling Eleanor anymore that we're aware of. <laughs> um, That's right. You know, and then... Now we also have the Golden Compass, so maybe they all have bit parts in this movie, I don't know, but it makes me uncomfortable, and I just want to see people with integrity. Yes, yes, yes. I think think you're right, Renee. You know, what's interesting about Ronald Reagan, um, he did not pretend to be an avid churchgoer. People knew that. You know, people accepted that. We've got to move on now to Elaine from Fort Worth. Elaine, thank you for calling and holding. Uh, what's your view? Well, I had an interesting day today. I was um, actually on a call today with Mike Huckabee at lunchtime, and then I was just a guest at a fundraiser for Mitt Romney just 30 minutes ago. Wow. You're mixing so, it up there. <laughs> so it's been an interesting day. Who will you support? In the primary, I will definitely support Huckabee. Hmm. I am. Uh, I but disagree if he, with him on every issue, I would say, except for immigration. I think he's yeah. too soft. Yeah. I think a lot of people uh, feel the same way you do, that he's strong on pro-life issues, strong on the family issues, but maybe on taxes or immigration. They mm-hmm. feel like uh, he's he's too soft, leaning left on that. Well, um, do you think that Romney helped himself with his speech today at all? I've only heard the sound bites that you've played, so I, I can't speak too much on that. Although, um, you know, the people at the event, his his event, of course, most of those people were his supporters. They thought it was a, he did a wonderful job and that he gained ground. Is what is what the opinion was of the. Well, other. I'm hearing that too, and we've got to move on. But uh, I'm hearing that Richard Land loved the speech. I'm hearing that Lauren Ingram liked the speech. I'm reading that Fred Barnes liked the speech. But I think maybe they got caught up in the euphoria of the moment. Because when you look at the speech and actually listen to the sound, he did say some good things. But he said some things that I don't see how any evangelical Christian could uh, agree with these statements, that they would help at all. And some of them I don't think Mitt Romney really believes. Now, here is one of those statements. Here he is talking about the law versus the church. I will put no doctrine of any church above the plain duties of the office and the sovereign authority of the law. Okay, I think this was unnecessary for him to say something like this, and um, at best it is confusing, because if he believes Mormon theology, he does not believe that um, the U.S. Constitution is the, the sovereign Uh, He would believe that there is a higher law, and certainly the founders believed that. The founding fathers believed that there was a higher law. That is, 
that we are endowed by the Creator with certain inalienable rights, the right to life, the right to liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and those rights come from God. No government gives those. No government can take them away. The government is not sovereign. That's, that is um, kingdom talk from Great Britain or old European countries to be talking about sovereignty when it comes to the law. And I don't think he really believes that. But he's, he's overstating the case to keep people from worrying. Diane, what do you think about that? Diane from Carrollton, thank you for calling. What's your view? Hi there. Um, I appreciate your uh, question and answer, period. Um, I did not hear the, um, the speech today. I really uh, think that he should not have made it. I don't think he needed to do that. Um, I would vote uh, in a primary. I think I would vote for Huckabee, although yes. I do want uh-huh. to check a few things out. I've heard that. Phyllis Schlafly has some negative uh, she did. to say about him, but I would check that out first. In a uh, decision between uh, Mitt Romney and uh, any of the Democrats, I think I unfortunately would have to choose the lesser of the evil, and that might be mm. Mr. Romney. Well, I think there are a lot of Christians that probably agree with you on that. If it comes to that between a stated pro-lifer and a stated pro-abortion candidate, a stated pro-family candidate and a stated so-called homosexual marriage candidate, they're going, to, they're going to hold their nose on the Mormonism and vote for the pro-lifer and the pro-family candidate. But it's not necessary for Romney to make this kind of speech, particularly with these kinds of misstatements in it. Now let's go back to Romney here, and he talks about, again, what his highest duty will be if he becomes president. When I place my hand on the Bible and take the oath of office, that oath becomes my highest promise to God. All right, is that a proper thing to say? If you really believe in God... And you really believe in marriage. I mean, isn't your highest promise to God, I mean, to God, (laughs) is that you would be loyal to Him, be true to Him, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, The first two or three commandments are about our direct relationship to God. No other gods before me. I mean, our relationship with God is actually our, our top commitment. And then to His wife, to His family, to His children, and so forth. But uh, I think he's, he's overstating the case here, and it really makes you wonder what else he's saying that's not quite the case. Uh, David, on the line from Weatherford. David, what do you make of this speech? Well, I listened to the speech, and um, I did a lot of studying on the, on the Mormon uh, faith and, and also uh, about Freemasonry. And there's some interesting ties oh, yes. between Masons and, uh, and the uh, Mormons. In fact, did you know that the, uh, the first three presidents of the uh, Mormon church were were Masons? Well, Joseph Smith uh, was a Mason and Mm -hmm. took some of those rights out of Masonry into Mormonism. And also, there was a a clip they did on the the news uh, this afternoon um, showing a a tape of him talking to a a radio reporter that was supposedly kind of off-camera. And did he not make the statement that he was pro-choice? Well, he has. Uh, you're talking about Mitt Romney. Yes. He has made that statement uh, in the past, running for the Senate in Massachusetts. He made that statement several years ago. Since then, he said he's had a political, spiritual, and moral conversion, a convictional conversion on this issue. And as governor, he did govern pro-life. He did not sign any abortion laws, any embryonic stem cell laws, any cloning laws. He opposed all of those on pro-life principles. So he actually governed as a pro-life governor, and I think we've got a fair fare with him on that. Well, we've got to move on. We've got other callers on the line, Denise and Jake. We're going to have to hold. If you can hold with us over the break, we're going to come back. We've got several more pieces of sound, and um, 
I'm very concerned about some of this coming up here. Uh, again, Richard Land, Fred Barnes, Laura Ingram uh, are happy about this speech. But is it irrational exuberance? Um, let's listen to some of the sound. Do you believe that um, Christianity and Islam are moral equivalents? Well, you'll want to hear what Mitt Romney says about that in just a moment. We'll be right back. It's Jerry Johnson Live. Also, the Golden Compass and the Grinch Award coming up. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. There's one fundamental question about which I'm often asked. What do I believe about Jesus Christ? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of mankind. My church's beliefs about Christ may not all be the same as those of other faiths. All right, that's Mitt Romney giving a speech today at Texas A&M. And he's running for president, and he's a Mormon. And we want to know what you think about it. Denise on the line from Carrollton. Denise, what do you make of this speech? Well, my main question is, will he uphold the U.S. Constitution, and will he protect the unborn and protect the United States? And I believe he would. And yes. where he talked about his uh, oath of office, I think he was assuming that we understood that was in the context of the presidential office. Maybe I could be wrong. That's just a Well, you may be right, Denise, and I will, I will grant that maybe I'm splitting hairs. That's just the nature of me. Uh, when I look at a speech like this, I know we had speechwriters work on it, and uh, I will say it's also because I've studied Mormonism a good bit, and there's a good bit of shading of the truth. There is a good bit of splitting of hairs in Mormonism. And um, when he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, for instance, I know he does not believe by that, that he is the pre-existent, co-eternal, co-equal, co-substantial uh, God the Son. He doesn't believe in the deity of Jesus Christ like evangelical Christians do. And so uh, I, I think it is necessary with a guy like this maybe to split some hairs. But you're probably right that I, I really have no beef with what he says about the oath of office. He means he's not checking with uh, Salt Lake City or Provo once he takes the oath of office to get his marching orders. I like that, actually. But he should have been more careful in this speech. Let's go on to Jake in San Angelo. Jake, what do you make of this speech? Well, um, I haven't heard much of it. I just uh, I heard a caller just calling a minute ago about the whole lesser of two evils thing. Yes. And uh, I was curious, really. Uh, I just want to ask this. Maybe you can answer it for me, and I'll hang up. But... Uh, what do you feel about the whole lesser of two evils? Are you for it? Are you against it? How how, how would you stand on, on if if that were to happen? Thanks. Yeah. Well, you know, right now that is not the situation. That's my first response, Jake. Is that the primaries are uh, the lesser of seven or eight evils, and so I think you pick the the uh, the lesser of <laughs> of all of those evils, and so. There are plenty of pro-life, pro-family options out there right now, and I think you know every Christian has to pray about that. But my view would be they must believe in the sanctity of innocent human life, therefore oppose abortion, oppose euthanasia. That is the critical issue of the day, and they need to stand up for marriage between a man and a woman, not a man and a man or a woman and a woman. And so I think that's the key. And yes, 
if it comes down to a Republican, a Democrat, an Independent, uh, whatever the case, I think Christians ought to be voting pro-life and pro-family, and it may be what someone would call the lesser of two evils. And I, I am more convicted on the life issue and the family issue than any denominational issue or really any claimed religious affiliation. I think the moral issues are the most important. Now let's go on to Romney real quick here because there's a couple more pieces of sound. Here is Mitt Romney again. No candidate should become the spokesman for his faith. I agree with that. For if he becomes president, he will need the prayers of the people of all faiths. Uh, he shouldn't have said that because... Look, he doesn't believe he, that Hindus are praying to God, does he? He doesn't believe that Muslims are really praying to the one true and living God, does he? Does he really believe that New Agers are praying to the one true and living God? I don't think so. But, uh, you know, he just says that, uh, that we need the prayers of people of all faiths. He can't be a true blue Mormon and really believe that. It's just uh, gobbledygook. All right, here he goes again on uh, this kind of... Uh, you know, ecumenical Tower of Babel. I believe that every faith I've encountered draws its adherents closer to God. And in every faith I've come to know, there are features I wish were in my own. I love the profound ceremony of the Catholic Mass, the approachability of God in the prayers of the evangelicals, the tenderness of spirit among the Pentecostals, the confident independence of the Lutherans, the ancient traditions of the Jews, unchanged through the ages, and the commitment to frequent prayer of the Muslims. All right, that's where he lost me, the frequency of prayer for the Muslims. Now, what he's doing here is equating the legitimacy of the Judeo-Christian tradition in America with Islam, and that is a huge mistake, Mr. Romney, because America has a rich Judeo-Christian heritage, and that is the only way to explain the United States of America. We do not want Sharia law in America. We do not want the Muslim culture or anti-culture in America. Certainly Muslims are welcome in America, and they can be citizens in America, and they have freedoms in America. But uh, it's a mistake to try to... Uh, and particularly the first line he says, "...every faith I've encountered draws its adherents closer to God." How can he believe that if he's a Mormon, that Hindus are close, going closer to God through Hinduism, that Muslims are going closer to God through Islam? No, those are false religions, leading people away from the one true and living God. So I think that's a huge mistake. Now, Larry, I want to go, though I want to end on a positive note, because I do think this is what Mr. Romney meant today. This is what he meant, and this should have been his speech because I think it's actually a very strong point. Let's go back to the most positive thing he said today, Larry. It's important to recognize that while differences in theology exist between the churches in America, we share a common creed of moral convictions. And where the affairs of our nation are concerned, it's usually a sound rule to focus on the latter, on the great moral principles that urge us all on a common course. Okay, that is the best thing that Mr. Romney said today. It is a shame that he did not make that the subject of his speech, because uh, where he does have common ground is on the moral convictions, or at least that's what he says as a matter of policy. There is no common ground, of course, on the theological points, and we'll continue to follow this story. We'll see how it plays. We'll see if he moves up in the polls and if he can get again that leading position in Iowa and New Hampshire. But big breaking news. 
this weekend the open of the children's movie The Golden Compass. Now, if you've seen the trailers on this movie, it's very appealing, slick, compelling. But what's underneath the surface? Is this movie, is this movie supporting atheism? Let's talk now to an expert, Ted Baer of MovieGuide.org. He's one of the leading experts on Hollywood and entertainment. And uh, Ted's a good friend. Ted, thank you for being with us today. Oh, it's great to be with you, Jerry. And uh, we miss you at uh, seeing you at CNP and things. So it's great to talk to you today. Well, you know, Ted, whole... tell me about this movie and what uh, what Christians and uh, family folks ought to be thinking about it. Well, one, this movie is based on a series, His Dark Materials, by a guy named Philip Pullman, who's an atheist who is so angry at the great Chronicles of Narnia that uh, presented Jesus Christ in a in a suppositional way to children by C.S. Lewis, the great writer, that uh, Pullman decided he was going to write the atheist answer to C.S. Lewis. And that's his dark materials. In the books, eventually God is found out by Lyra, who is a liar, to be a feeble old man who lies about creating the universe. All there is is dust, and when she exposes God, he dies. She wants to tear her father's heart out. Now, the movie is, the first movie, The Golden Compass, which opens, is not as strong and as intense as the book is, but it's intense in other ways. It doesn't confront atheism head-on. It changes the word from church to magisterium. But I take it as being a very, you know, you were saying something interesting about morality there, Jerry. You were saying that we have certain common moral principles. But, you know, there's certain... uh, To have common moral principles, you have to have the same Uh, worldview. You know, for instance, with Romney, he believes in transmigration of souls. That's right. That's why he's never been pro-life. For this movie, what their moral principles are are not the moral (laughs) principles of love and kindness and joy. At one point, she is trying to destroy. She's told she is going to abolish all authority. Sounds to me like the Communist Manifesto. And one of the things she tries to abolish is her mother. She actually gives her mother a tin can with a little bug in it that can kill her mother. Now, her mother has just saved her. Her mother is a totally disagreeable person, played by a totally disagreeable actress, Nicole Kidman, who hasn't done a good film in a long time. But (laughs) no matter how bad she is, we're called to honor and love our mother. We're called to honor and love our father. And the material, the glue, the moral glue of love and sacrifice and giving... This is all about Lyra. It's all about lust, not about love. And me, uh, I think that's what Pillman is all about. So I wouldn't want my daughter to see a movie where the book led her to say she wanted to tear her father's heart out, or a movie where it said, do you want to poison your mother? Ted, let me ask you this question. And, and watching and listening to the trailer, uh, it does say the magisterium. You mentioned that a moment ago. The evil magisterium. uh controls us. Were you surprised that they put that actually in the trailer? Because that is code for the church or for God or for Christianity. Well, it could have been, you know, as one person who wrote me because of my articles uh, said, and I've done debates with the head of the American Atheist Society and all the rest, she said you could take the magisterium as a, it's more like the Communist Party or the Nazi Party than the the church. Uh, You know, of course, what (laughs) they're saying, if you take what they're saying, if they're saying that they want to protect children and help children and deliver them from their demons. What they're saying is not so bad, uh, but the the whole look of it is conspiratorial. And, of course, C.S. Lewis 
again did that great book, uh, The City of Strength, which exposes uh, all of the inner sanctum conspiracies of the politically correct uh, atheist crowd. The problem with Pullman as a writer is he's being reactionary. Uh, the problem with his book being turned into a movie is that the first two-thirds is boring and very talky and uh, doesn't hit the nail on the head because the director is afraid of being too atheist. So he toned down this movie to the point that it loses its emotional strength. The book is much better in terms of being emotionally strong. All right, Ted, we're out of time, but I want you to come back after the break if possible because I want to talk about the proper Christian response, really, to this kind of film. Jerry Johnson Live, Ted Bear coming back after the break. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Are your children going to see the movie The Golden Compass? With us to talk about it, Ted Bear of MovieGuide.org. Ted, thanks for hanging on. One final question. What is the proper Christian response to this kind of a movie? Uh, the proper response is to choose a good movie. <laughs> well, recommend something. Have, we always have choices, and that's mm. what people forget. People are always telling me, oh, we, everybody's going to go see it. Not everybody's going to go see it. You know, even if it does $200 million at $5 a ticket, that's at a country of 300 million people, that's, uh, you know, 40 million people, that's mm. not uh, everybody. Uh, so, you know, there are a lot of kids, actually. I'm very proud of them on Facebook that have made a commitment not to see The Golden Compass. Look at all the great films out there. There's mm. Enchanted out there. There's Water Horse, which is opening up, which is uh, absolutely delightful. There's Alvin and the Chipmunks, which is absolutely <laughs> I delightful. like that sound. So choose the good. Choose this day who you're going to serve, and listen to good radio with Jerry Johnson. That'll help you a lot. All right, Ted. Thank you so much. Ted Bear, MovieGuide.org, a great website when you want to know more about the movies. All right, folks, it's time. Speaking of uh, movies, you remember this old TV show, The Grinch? It's time for The Grinch Award. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a... All right, the Grinch Award. Who's going to win it today? That is businesses and schools and organizations that do not have the Christmas spirit. In fact, no, they're censoring uh, Christ 
out of Christmas. Our theme here on KCBI is putting Christ back in Christmas, keeping Christ in Christmas. And uh, we've had some notable offenders, but tonight's winner is, for the Grinch Award, The Gap. The Gap. Maybe you shop there. Maybe you shouldn't. Listen to how they talk about uh, Christmas and Christmas gifts and Christmas themes. Here we go. Holiday classics redefined. Holiday best for the season. Holiday doggy pajamas. Holiday dreams. Sleep set. Uh, Holiday body suits. And, of course, The Gap owns Old Navy. They've got holiday favorites, holiday morning, holiday gift guide, season in style. They also own Banana Republic, dressed in holiday style, holiday gift guide, and party season. Now, you know, one or two mentions might be uh, excusable and inadvertent, but no mention of Christmas. In fact, uh, the Liberty Council challenged The Gap last year. On their Holiday Survival Guide, Old Navy's Holiday Gift Guide and Holiday Gift Boxes, and there's been no response. And here is uh, the, uh, I say no, no change, here is their official response, and I quote, We have a lot of Christmas gifts in our stores, but the word Christmas is not used here. The word Christmas is not used here. Everything is holiday, end quote. Well, maybe you would want to shop somewhere else. How different that is from the Criswell Radio Network, from KCBI and KSYE and KCRN, because we are putting Christ in Christmas here at Jerry Johnson Live, the Criswell Radio Network, and we encourage you to do the same. But today's winner of the Grinch Award is The Gap, and underneath that you got Old Navy and Banana. Republic. Well, we like to keep things here positive, and so actually, uh, what is the antidote to the Golden Compass, the antidote to false Christology and Mormonism, the antidote really to stores and organizations that expunge Christ from Christmas? The antidote is actually to uh, read the Scripture, Galatians 4, 4. We referenced this last night, talking about another passage. Here it is, but when the fullness of the time had come. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. The Son of God became a man, that men might become sons of God. Have you ever thought of that? That's what that text is about. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. This is very similar to what we read in Isaiah 9 last night, because here you see the deity, the deity of Jesus Christ. God sent forth the Son. God did not create the Son. God did not make the Son. Uh, God sent forth the Son. The Son of God eternally existed with the Father in heaven, co-equal, co-eternal, co-substantial. And he was sent, though, sent forth into the world, incarnate as a man, fully God, but also fully man. Because the next phrase is, God sent forth his Son, 
born of a woman. There's the humanity of Christ. So we see the deity of Christ, a son sent, now the humanity of Christ, born of a woman. There can be no doubt that Jesus was a man, not half God and half man, but fully God and fully man, fully man. And that's really what we celebrate at Christmas as Christians. It's called the Incarnation. The idea that the infinite could enter the finite, that the spiritual and non-material could enter this physical world and become physical, uh, that the timeless could break through and enter time and enter space. That is the Incarnation. (laughs) What a wonder. What a miracle. We can't hardly even explain it. Uh, So that is the doctrine. And... uh, There's a reason, though, for this. It's not just that we might marvel at the doctrine. There is a reason for this event. He was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. You know, a lot of times I hear people say, well, I don't think I need Jesus. I don't think I need to become a Christian because uh, I'm better than the other person. I'm not as bad as I could be. Um, I'm not as bad as others. And um, they're planning They're planning to do all right with their own works. But the Bible says, the Scripture concludes all under sin. There is a law of sin and death. The wages of sin is death. And we're all under that law. Any sin, all sin, puts us under a kind of death sentence, a curse. Well, that's the reason Jesus Christ came to redeem those who were under the law. So Jesus Christ became a man that he might live a sinless life and die on a cross and take the curse for you and for me. He took the penalty for my sin, for your sin. He was buried. He was raised again three days later. He was seen by hundreds. If you repent and acknowledge your sin, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. He will forgive your sin and cleanse you And His Holy Spirit will come into your life and change you, and you will live under His Lordship in His kingdom. Look to Jesus and live. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.